Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Grit Podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth, the founder of Sisu and the host of the show. And one of the things I love most about this podcast is I get to dig in with people like our guest today and learn about their grit and just what makes them so successful. And uh, this guest today happens to be a very special guest for me. And I actually get to dig into this stuff quite a bit with her because Spring Benson happens to be my wife. She is the founder and CEO of Utah Life Real Estate Group. And she is one of the most powerful women in real estate. And (laughs) I hear that from everybody who meets her. So uh, sometimes I don't think she realizes that yet, but it's true. Uh, and she just happens to be my wife. So it's been a huge year for her. I watch her double her business almost every year, which is so fun to see. And, uh, last year she bought a brokerage and then sold a brokerage within a year. She's just had a ton going on. So I wanted to dive in, talk to her about the industry, talk to her about her business, mainly about her business. because I think she does a a lot of things that many of you guys are going to want to duplicate and learn from. So uh, welcome to the show, Spring. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, what, what, what did I miss there? I mean, what what do you want to tell the world about yourself? I think I'm good. Thank you. I was that's quite the introduction. The other day, I said, "Hey, Brian, when are you going to put me on your podcast?" He goes, "How about this week?" I'm like, "All right, there we go." <laughs> there you go. So anyway, I'm going to be traveling a lot over the next few weeks. So having Spring on today is great. Gives you guys an opportunity to not have me miss a week on the show and uh, for you guys to get some great content. So one of the interesting things is spring, we live in the same house. Mm-hmm. We work in the same office mm-hmm. and yet here we are on a zoom. We're not in the same room. True. Doing this podcast. Neither of us have like this cool podcasting room that uh, we're talking about putting into a new building that you've been working on. So that's the first thing I want to talk about today. I want to talk about our new podcasting room. When we're going to have that done and, and uh, more about this, this building project you have going on. Yeah. So yes, it's going to have a rad podcast studio. It's also going to have a really cool training um, area and a collab workspace. Um, so it's interesting uh, about a year ago. Well, as you mentioned, I purchased the brokerage and then sold it because I figured it was not for me. We can talk about that too. But I went under contract on an old bank or a credit union um, probably about a year ago and um, was supposed to close. And then due to the construction delays with COVID, um, it just got delayed and delayed and delayed and um, ended up closing in December. And we're in the middle of construction. It's going to be about a 5,500 square foot office building. Now they don't have the brokerage quite large for just our team. So we'll be putting in title and mortgage and doing some cool stuff. I do a lot of video. We'll do a really cool podcast room right now. I'm squatting. Um, you can see the wall back of me is, is white. Cause I'm just in a conference room at uh, venture X, which is like a, WeWork. work. Um, 
but it's fun. I'm super excited about it. And hopefully Susu will take up part of that office space as well. So I was going to say, aren't you saving part of that for us? I hope so. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see well, we, we are planning on it. So Spring, one of the things I've noticed since COVID hit, you, when COVID hit, you got really, really intentional with your business. And I think that's actually played a big role in you elevating your business. Not just the fact that real estate has gotten hotter right then. I think where, where you really elevated were those months of March and April and May when a lot of the industry was actually shutting down and you guys doubled your efforts to have conversations and things like that. So last year you did 104 million in volume this year. You're at about a hundred million in volume today, which happens to be early July. Mm -hmm. So like, how have you guys done that? Um, Like how do you continue to double your business every year? Well, there's a couple of things. So as you spoke about the whole COVID thing, I mean, the way that I looked at it is there's always a market, meaning I went through the 08, 09, 2010, and yes, it tanked, but there were still homes selling. It was just a different type of transaction, right? And so um, when COVID hit, I took the same mentality of like, hey, we're doubling down. Like just because there's a there's this obstacle doesn't mean my goals are negotiable. And, um, and so we went really heavy on accountability, implementing our morning huddles, training, et cetera. We just kept all of that as part of our culture, but a big part of our culture is also agent attraction. We know that we can generate the business, that we have the lead sources, we have the systems. And so we're, we're doubling because we're attracting quality agents that want to be in our world and on our team and putting them through our processes and systems and getting them into a high level of production. Okay. So I want to drill in a little bit deeper on a couple of those items. You talked about morning huddles. Yes. I think this is something that most team leaders would like to do. Yes. Maybe think it's a little bit monotonous. It's a little bit hard to do. Yes. Uh, Am I really committed to do that forever moving forward? Or is that something I'm going to do for a month? So like, tell me about what do you guys do in that huddle so that I I really want the world to, to know, like, this is, this is what you do. I, so to back up, I agree with you. I didn't do the huddle consistently until COVID hit. And then it was like, we were all working virtually. And so I needed a way that we were all connecting at least on a daily. We'll do a little bit of a knowledge bomb, keep it quick and, or motivation, and then report out our rocks our commitments for the day. So um, we all use CSU, obviously. I'll have them look at their CSU and say what their intention was for the day prior. Did they hit their goal? And what is their goal for today? So it's to keep that top of mind of them looking at their dashboard at least once a day in the morning to see what they need to do to accomplish where they want to be at. Okay. So one of the things I hear there is managing with dashboards. So you actually have dashboards up for that one-on-one or that we'll get to one-on-ones in a minute, I guess, (laughs) for that morning huddle. Yeah. So we have dashboards in all of our offices, like yours behind you, but we, yes, but we have them look at their specific, like they pull up their phone and they're like, this is what I have to do today, or this is my intention. So I'll start it out as what it was your intention today. Well, if it's a Monday, what's your intention today? Great. And then on Tuesday, it's like your intention yesterday was this, did you hit it? 
And then what is your intention today? So we keep it quick. It can be, it can be monotonous and long with 20, 30 agents. So it is a quick, like, what was your rock? Did you hit it? Yes or no. What is your rock for today? Yeah. Okay. I brought up dashboards just there. It was obviously in my mind. So let's talk about, or one-on-ones, let's talk about one-on-ones. What, what does a one-on-one look like in your business? So one-on-ones are weekly. Mine are all on Mondays for the agents that I do. So I just got off of them. Today's a Monday. And so they're 20 minutes long. We will go over, started off with what's amazing in their life right now, something good. And then I'll say, okay, let's dive into your business. I'll pull up their dashboard. Their dashboards will look at the metrics of the week. And so far for the month, we'll go over what they have in their pipeline, conversion ratios, if there is something off. So like the one I just had, he's just simply not talking to enough people. Like he, he's just not in enough activity or the one I had prior to that, man, her pipeline is stacked. And so it's just, it's, um, getting clear on who her top priorities are. So every one of them is different. We'll review what they need to in their business this week to propel forward. And then if for the remainder of it, we'll do whatever coaching that if they're having issues with converting leads, like today, um, we listened to some of their Zillow calls Um, We do have a VA that rates all of their scores on their Zillow and all the calls that come in. So we just did feedback on what they did well and where they could have improved and let them listen to them. So it changes, but a big chunk of it is around the dashboard and what their pipeline looks like and how we can have them help hit their goals. Okay. So one of the things you're talking about a lot, you're, I mean, this data you have in front of you, you can see okay, this person has tons of people in their pipeline. This person isn't making enough calls. This person's conversion ratios are horrible on setting appointments, those types of things. I've seen a lot of team leaders and I've talked to a lot that a lot of times, if you don't have that kind of information in front of you in that one-on-one, what you end up talking about might be personal issues and, and you kind of become their counselor. Is that still an issue? Do you still find that in your business? Yeah. The only time I have that be an issue is if they're not performing. So one of them today, for a matter of fact, I'm like, dude, I can't have this same redundant conversation. Like unless you're going to log your activities or actually get into a higher level of production, then there's no point of us having this one-on-one because I don't need to coach somebody who needs to, who's only going to sell one house a month. And so I know that sounds harsh, And they actually thanked me for that conversation. But yeah, we use the data to be able to have a quality conversation. If not, it goes very much into a just chatty Kathy and it's a waste of time. Yeah. Okay, great. You talked about agent attraction a minute ago. Yes. I know you've been on a lot of different podcasts. You've been invited to several different to present at several different masterminds or conferences or different things about your agent attraction. So you've got this special, in my opinion, I'm close to it. I think you've got a special agent attraction strategy that a lot of people don't have. So I wanted to dive into that today and have you share more about that. I thought you were just going to say, you've just got this special thing about you. <laughs> you have this special way of attracting everyone. I mean, I don't know what it is about you, Spring. It's how you attracted me. <laughs> 
Oh, I love you. Um, so yes, we do have a super solid agent attraction program. I signed up and I'll give him a shout out. Frank Klesitz, viral marketing helped me probably three years ago, create, um, solid plan. So if anybody is interested, check it out, but it really comes down to just creating value and putting it out there. I mean, agents need us. Agents need teams, agents need structure, agents need consistency and teams, I believe, create that with everything that we provide. So I'm unapologetic about putting it out there. So we have sponsored ads running all the time, agent testimonials. We do a lot of events. I do events every other week of just knowledge based of like this one on Thursdays, we're bringing in somebody who's amazing at door knocking. And then I just believe to become the lighthouse and you will attract people. Yes, there are systems. I know that sounds cliche, become the lighthouse, you'll just get it. But we do have systems in place. I have a VA that calls. I have uh, somebody who writes my ads and puts them up. I have a separate CRM only for agents tracking like if they're coming to events or if they're opening the emails. Like I said, we are doing events. We do masterminds we're pretty good at it. So there is a system to it, but I would say, regardless, if you have the system, if you aren't becoming that knowledge broker and creating value, it doesn't matter. So yeah, we create the value and we put it out there. Okay. So you're doing events every two weeks. So yeah, but I, but it's not recruiting. So here's what I want to say. Yeah. I never talk about the brokerage. I never talk about the team. It is 100% come to my ecosystem, see how we do it, come to the training. I don't care if you're a Caldwell Banker, KW, whatever, like you're never going to hear about anything brokerage specific or recruiting, just come. And then generally what happens is people are like, man, what are you doing? This is cool. Or, Hey, how can I be part of your world? And then the conversations go from there. Yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out because I think it's, it's so true. If you're calling people and as you know, I'm licensed. So I get these random phone calls from some, you know, you can tell it's some assistant or somebody that doesn't really know anything about real estate. And they're, they're reaching out to me to see if I can go have a meeting with their broker or whatever. Yeah. That's not the strategy, right? Bring people into your world, provide value. And then they want to, they want to stay in your world. Yep. For sure. Yeah. So that's all it is. I mean, I, um, just recently joined real, um, which is a virtual brokerage. It's nationwide and it's the same approach. Like you're never going to see me go be a crazy recruiter or, I mean, I'm just all about, we'll attract the right people that want to be in our ecosystem, um, by creating value and growth. So, so you just brought it up. You're a real brokerage now. So let's talk about that. You, well, before we do, let's talk about you. You talked about you're in a CRM platform for recruiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you use CSU for your agent onboarding. Do you guys use CSU? I don't even know if you use CSU for, for tracking those appointments and stuff or not. Do you guys? Uh, yes and no. We use Active Campaign for our actual agent CRM, and then it, it connects to CSU. So we track all of our appointments and meetings and everything in CSU. We also do all of our agent onboarding through CSU. So I have it built out of all the steps from their first appointment through their first 90 days of that whole process. So, okay. So appointment through the first 90 days or signed it's really when somebody comes into the the brokerage right we use it for like if we've got an appointment we'll make the notes on it because not everybody is ready 
you know, so we use it for that, but we connect it with the active campaign of making notes who comes to the classes and all that jazz. Yeah. Okay. All right. So moving back over here to Realty One. So a year ago, Mm -hmm. I guess it was a year and so 15 months ago, something like that. Yeah. It was a year and a half ago. Year and a half ago. Okay. So a year and a half ago, you decided you were going to, you wanted to have your own brokerage. And so you bought a Realty One brokerage. You recruited just through what we just talked about. You recruited, I think, 100 agents in -hmm. that year. Is that right? Yeah, we did about 120 within like 10 months. Okay. So that's amazing. Like if most people thought about how do you recruit 100 agents in 10 months, go back and listen again to what Spring was just talking about 10 minutes ago. And uh, you you can dive into that deeper. So... Let's talk about you bought this brokerage. Give me the story. What what happened there? What what did you love about it? What did you not? So I've had a team for a long time now, and I wanted to move into that ancillary businesses of title and all that jazz. So we opened up a title company and I just thought, you know, I'm going to own a brokerage. Like my team can sit underneath the brokerage. We can, I can provide that extra value. And then when people leave the team, they can just, they can still be in our ecosystem of being in the brokerage. And it was really because people weren't leaving when they leave the team. They weren't necessarily leaving me. They'd be like, Spring, I love you. I'm just ready for something new. And it was awesome. Like, I actually really love Realty One. Like, I love the branding. I love the people. Like, I have 100% awesome everything to say. Um, But when I got into it, I'm like, man, I have to attract a lot of agents to make the income I want to make off this brokerage. And this is not my jam. Like when I say not my jam, attracting agents is my jam, but the day-to-day operations of making sure people are getting paid and the broker and just everything, um, really wasn't my thing. I also didn't love that it was really just pigeonholed to my backyard. So like we live in 20 minutes outside of Salt Lake city. And so being, as you know, like it's this little ecosystem of maybe, 200 agents max. And that would be a huge brokerage for our area, you know? And, um, I mean, I think most of the brokerages have 80 to a hundred max and those are big brokerages. So I just, the more I started thinking about it and doing the research and being exposed because of CSU and the world of like what's happening in that virtual brokerage space, I was like, Oh my gosh, like, this is amazing. You can be in business with people all across the U S you can network and grow and mastermind. And also because you all are in business together, you all financially benefit from each other. You want to have that growth. You want to help them succeed. And so we ended up selling the franchise rights to another Realty One and we opened it up. We moved over to Real probably 60 days ago and I'm having a freaking blast. Poor you. Uh, you guys like I, every day I'm like, Brian, this is so great. Like I all of a sudden know why so many people in another model, I won't name names have been so loud and proud because it's fun. Like this is a really fun model and you're just collabing with cool agents across the U S. And so I finally get it. I'm like, this is so awesome. So it's fun. So Yeah. I mean, I've gotten used to seeing spring looking at her <laughs> phone. She's constantly staring at her app and seeing which agents came in and what she's getting paid and all that kind of stuff. So cool. spring, why did you choose real? I mean, I know you just mentioned reasons, but like, 
I know you had some hard decisions uh, because it wasn't wasn't an easy decision for you. But what what is it came down to that made you choose that brokerage? If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. Yeah, so there's obviously a couple models in this space, and I was really attracted to both models um, and, and the people that were in both. So my ultimate decision came down to really more of a business decision of I wanted to get in somewhere that was early. Like I'm, I was agent 2000 at real. How crazy is that? So being agent 2000 in the entire company gives massive opportunity. So that was a huge one. I really like their rev share model. So their rev share model is built more. You get paid more off of your front line, which your front line are the people you're actually connecting with and can create value with. So that was really attractive to me too. And then their stock uh, agent attraction stock program and their stock program they have just now because of getting in early was really attractive too. So it, it, it really was the fact of getting in early, the alignment with some of the people that were coming in at the same time, their rev share model is awesome. And then their stock program is great. I mean, I, you hear me say this all the time, Bray, but I'm like, as an agent, we have to pay our, our cap to somebody, our commissions to somebody. So why not do it somewhere that you're going to cap? And then why not do it somewhere that you have a cool stock program? Because they'll, if you invest in their stock, they grant you back additional stock or award you stock, additional stock. Yep. And also that you can have alignment with other agents and you all benefit off of each other's transactions. Like, I just simply don't understand if you're a producing agent, why you wouldn't look at this model. All right. So... Yeah, I was going to ask you something else about that, but I, I know that you had a coach for the last year, year and a half. I don't know, maybe even longer than that, but yep. who, like the main thing you've been coached on for the last few years, or at least the last year is not real estate. It's building yes. wealth. Yes. 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 It's building wealth. Yes. So, I mean, this has been a big thing for you. You posted something about a week ago on social saying, hey, you know, I'm not one. I buy houses. I buy real estate. I'm not one to necessarily invest in the stock market. Now you are getting all this stock regularly. I mean, is that part of the reason you chose that or what? One million percent. I mean, I... I hate that this turned into a real conversation. So we have to change it after this guy. I know people don't want to hear about it or maybe they do. I don't know, but, um, but yes, it's the stock program's crazy. Awesome. I mean, the fact that it can just diversify, as you mentioned, I changed a lot of my real estate coaching over to wealth building. And so creating, um, the opportunities in the wholesale, like, um, fix and flips that commercial building we were talking about earlier, yeah. um, be able to, we bought that so we could cost segregate it as well, which is a huge tax savings. Um, doing, we're doing investment properties. And so this was just the extra of like, oh my gosh, revenue share that you don't really have any expenses on, but you're collecting revenue. Um, and for those of you guys that don't understand how it works, it's, you pay your company 85, 15 split 15% goes to real. If they're on your front line, you get 5% of that 15. So, uh, so 33% of it comes back to you. So I'm making 33% of that commission coming back on my front line. And then it tears down from there. 
But to have that residual income plus the stock was just an added like no brainer to my wealth and investment strategy. Okay. So are there any other things and yes, no more, no more talking about real, but is, are there any other things that uh, you want to share with regarding building wealth? Cause I talk to team leaders all the time and I think everybody is in that mindset right now of how do I build wealth? I don't think everybody goes out and hires a coach to train them on how to build wealth. So are there any things that you want to share along those lines? You know, the best advice I ever got um, was most people are not wealthy because they don't have a plan. So we spend the entire, our careers mapping out business plans and we spend time planning vacations, but nobody sits down and says, where do I want to be in 10 or 20 years? And then how am I going to get there? So when I went through the coaching, it was interesting because it's a coaching and it's a coaching and a mastermind and they make you map out a 50 million to a hundred million dollar dollar wealth plan. And it was an aha to me to see actually how easy in 30 years that, that was to actually create that massive wealth. And my coach, I'll give him a shout out, Brett Tanner, you guys can look him up or I'll connect you DM me. Um, he was like, spring, how many, how many 70 year olds, do you know, that's worth a hundred million dollars. I'm like, not really any, he's like, yeah, well, it's cause they didn't take a plan and that, that would, I'm 40 right now. So it'd be in 30 years worth a hundred million by following the plan. And so the key is, I think is mapping out how you want to get there, like where you're going to invest your money of it, whether it's fix and flips or rentals or the stock market or your IRA or whatever. And then being consistent, looking at it every single month to see if you're on pace to do that. But if you take it month by month and year by year, it's insane to see how fastly, how fast it compounds. So that was a long answer to my number one thing was sit down and figure out a plan and honestly invest in yourself. Like there's so many masterminds out there and stuff that you can participate in that are not in the real estate space. If you want to learn to do some of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Most team leaders make re- a really good income, right? Yeah. yeah. So are you spending it all or are you, are you mapping out a plan to invest it? And the thing, and you know, I think the first time I probably heard this was Tony Robbins, but now I hear it all the time. You, we overestimate what we can do in a year but we underestimate what we can do in a decade. You just talked about three decades. So, I mean, I think for most people, if you thought about, okay, spring just threw out this hundred million dollars in 30 years. Well, if you look at compounding, it doesn't take you selling a software company to make a hundred million dollars, right? If you have a plan over decades, you can definitely get to that kind of number with the way things multiply and, and the compounding and all of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I have a hundred million dollar wealth plan, as you know, it's really not very complicated. It does take the dedication of like, I'm not just blowing all the money I'm making that I am reinvesting. I'm buying properties. I'm taking risks. I'm investing in the market, things like that. But one of the things that I'm I know I'm going to hit it. And the other thing that is super fun for me right now is everything I'm getting collecting on RevShare. I'm just reinvesting back into investment. So that's just cool to see that extra can go to that direction as well. Great. All right. So changing this topic a little bit, you work in real estate. I work in real estate software. So we're in the same industry. I remember when I was actually in real estate and we were in the same office selling homes it was horrible. Back then you had a small team of maybe five agents or something like that. Boy, how times have changed. 
But anyway, I see a lot of couples that work together to build real estate teams. I mean, I, I talked right before this meeting, I just got off a zoom with a couple and their business. They're now doing, you know, like a thousand transactions a year and hundreds of millions in volume, but they are husband and wife and a bunch of other women on his admin team that are like, there were seven of them. And, and just to see that work life balance and, and, uh, you know, let's, let's talk about that for a minute, because I know with us, if we go out to dinner, there's <laughs> rarely a time that we're not talking about work. So Very uh, much anyway, fun. I want to get your perspective on this publicly. <laughs> oh, geez, that might not be good. Um, <laughs> I kid, I kid. So when we worked in the same office, it was a little brutal at first, only because we were in the same world. And um, I think actually you came to me one day and was like, you started working from that room in our home is, um, a bonus room. And you're like, I just can't do this. Like we have to have the separation. And so quickly we realized for us that, uh, if we were going to be in real estate, that you had to do your thing, I had to do my thing and we didn't commingle. And so you had your role. I had my role. Like I would help you in some capacity or vice versa, but for the most part, we didn't commingle anything. And then when CSU started, I think it's been fun. Like we obviously, we talk about work a lot. I guess I'm just a believer of like your work. If you're passionate about it is your lifestyle. And so we travel a lot. We are raising kids. Like I don't have an issue that our work is such a big part of who we are just because it really is. It's like eight, nine, 10 hours a day minimum, you know? So when you talk about the work-life balance, like we still have fun. Like we go with our friends and do things and we have other topics of conversations, but it does lead to a lot of work conversations. I honestly think partially though, because like my work is, I don't want to say it's boring compared to yours, but you have a lot of cool things happening right now. Like Sisu's on the move. It's growing. Like it's got some cool stuff. So it was just fun to talk about. So that's a really long answer to being like, I don't think there is balance. I don't. And if there is, um, I'd love to hear about it, but I just think it's just lifestyle. Yeah. I, I would add to that. It, it's truly lifestyle. If you're passionate about what you're doing, it becomes your life. Right. So. Well, and I think the difference is, as you and I are in the same industry, so we can have these conversations. Yeah. I mean, I, I, if I didn't understand your world, then I probably would be bored as hell or whatever. Like, I'd be like, Oh my gosh, Brian, can we please stop talking about this? Like our kids are, our kids are like, yeah. they're talking about work again, but I understand it. So it's fun. Um, so I think there's just depends on what your world looks like. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my advice there would be find your, find your passion, right? If you're passionate about something, and it, it may be real estate if you're in real estate. It may not be real estate if you're in real estate. It may be what the real estate is creating, which Springs always said this to me. It's what real estate creates, the opportunities. But now I'm seeing her really passionate about what she's creating. So it's fun. Freaking awesome. <laughs> All right. So one of the things that obviously this podcast is called The Grip Podcast I mean, I've watched you go through some challenges over the last year as you've been growing. Obviously, it wasn't easy to leave one brokerage, sell another brokerage, 
at change, changing brokerages, if you own a brokerage is not that easy, right? So you've, you've definitely had your share of challenges. And I really look at uh, just, I, I would call this grit, but, or I'd call it CISU if you look up CISU, but your determination to, to get to that next level, to get in a position to create the things you want to create in life. It's been very, you've been very determined to make sure you make that happen no matter what. Yeah, I think on any of the changes, I look at it and I'm like, there's two components of it. It's usually not the how, it's the who. So I've been surrounded with great admin that have been able to do the back end because that's what really changing a brokerage is, right? Is all the back end stuff. So my who's are fantastic on that. I also have maybe a different perspective on life of, um, I really, I heard a saying years ago and they've said like the worst day of your life has already happened. And that just resonated with me. And what they meant by that is like, if you think about something that was traumatic for you and just gave you that gut bomb and just mind after you and all that stuff. And at the time felt like it was so heavy. And then now you never even think about it. Like it's so far in the past. And so whenever there's anything that's hard or heavy, I'm like, I'm not even ever think about this in six months or a year or in two months, you know? And so I try not to let things really consume me because in the realms of, of life and everything, it's like, it's really not a big deal. And in the business world, it's really not a problem if you have the money to fix it. And so um, I heard that saying, and it's just true. Like if you have the money to fix that, it's really not a problem. So I just don't overthink things. And it's been a wonderful blessing of mine. So Okay, well, you led to this. I wasn't going to get into this today, but you just led to this. So we're going to go there. Oh. <laughs> this, oh. is, this is really the last question I have for you, Spring. But you just talked about, you know, what's the worst thing you've had to deal with in your life? What's the worst trauma? And go back and compare what the challenges you're going through now to that which you got through. So, you know, I know you made a post recently because it was your 20-year anniversary on your biggest challenge. So you want to share that with the world? Cause I think a lot of us, I know I've never had a challenge anywhere near that difficult. And <laughs> sometimes those biggest challenges can be your biggest strengths. So now you have bigger strengths than yeah. I have because you have had bigger challenges. So do you want to share that with everybody? Sure. Well, to give you a reference point that comment of like your worst day wasn't even in relative, it wasn't in terms of this event, but what you're referring to is when I was 20, um, I was on a boat in Lake Mead, Las Vegas for 4th of July weekend, and it blew up. And when I say it blew up, like it was a cabin cruiser. So I was downstairs um, and it literally blew up, like people blew in the air, all that jazz. But my body was burnt um, 85%. So I'm one big giant scar. I could tell the story about the first, not the first time, but one time, Brian, when we were first were together, you're going to kill me for telling this story. I'm like getting dressed, we're going somewhere. And he's like, nice tan lines. And I'm like, uh, dude, they're a scar. <laughs> Because my body is is a big giant scar besides where my swimming suit was, because uh, where my swimming suit was was wet, so it didn't burn. But yeah, anyway, why you reference that is yes, I was burned, and the takeaway that I have from that is multiple. Like I could take a whole podcast on this, but what you're referring to is I a couple of weeks into it was uh, super sick. 
Like they, my lungs had collapsed, had blood disease, pneumonia, like my family, I lived in Utah at the time, had all gone home except for my mom. And they actually had made the call to be like, we don't think she's going to make it. You guys need to come back. And I, in the burn unit, I, I shared a room with a lady and she ended up passing away. And all the sirens are going off in the middle of the night. And I'm like, holy shit, am I dying? And I remember asking the doctor and you know, what retrospect, I don't even know if it was a doctor. I don't know what really happened, but this is what happened in my head is I'm like, am I dying? And they are like, no, it's your choice if you live or die. And right then I was like, oh, it's that easy. I haven't seen who I marry, haven't seen my kids, like haven't like, okay, cool. You know, and probably like three or four days later, I started like getting on the mend of like coming coherent and started, my body started responding and all that stuff. So I live by that your life is a choice and it's, it has been a huge part for me in my whole entire life of, of that your whole entire life is a choice, how you respond to things like you can't always be responsible for what happens to you, but you can be responsible for how you respond to it. And so I just choose to be freaking happy and it's great. So there you go. There's your answer. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. I wasn't planning on going there today, but I think people deserve to hear that. So how do people get a hold of you if people want to get a hold of you? Because we may have some questions for you. Let's connect. I love, I love people. You can DM me on the gram. It's just spring Benson, but my name is spelt funky. You can, um, my email is spring at liveutah.com. You can hit up Brian. He knows how to find me. Um, yeah. Or you can have my cell phone, but it's out there. It's 801-641-1431. So, okay. so email spring at liveutah.com. That's probably the best way to reach her or her cell phone. I would say. No, the gram is the best way because you actually look at your DMs, e- emails. How many emails do you have, Brian? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I say that because we are polar opposites. You, you I'm, emails. I scan my emails. <laughs> Brian, just so you guys know, Brian has thousands and thousands and thousands of emails where I'm a, my emails are my to-do list. So I love to have a clean inbox. We really are water and wine. If you guys know, I drink wine, he drinks water. And, um, we just laugh because we were polar opposites on so many things. Well, yeah. next, the next podcast that I have spring on, it'll be called water and wine. And we'll, <laughs> we'll take it from there where we left off on this one. Spring, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, babe. All right. Bye. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your set of fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the real estate growth mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.